All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning down here. Good morning up there. Good morning in the lobby. We're glad that you're here. Uh, We are on a mission from God, as the famous words from uh, Jake and Elwood, the Blues Brothers, uh, say, turn to your neighbor right now and in your best Chicago accent, turn to your neighbor right now and say, we're on a mission from God. Just tell them that right now. We're on a mission from God. That's right. We absolutely are, uh, and it's not just a uh, cheesy movie quote. It is our theme for the year. If you didn't know that, uh, back in January, I think I showed you the same clip to introduce our annual theme for the year, On a Mission from God. And so I thought, you know, we're about halfway through the year now in July, and so I wanted to just kind of give us a little refresher and remind us to come back to our center, uh, to bring us back to our mission that we're going to focus on in the message today, which is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to say this summer, I have been so absolutely encouraged uh, by you. You're, you're living out this mission. You're, you're embodying it in so uh, many ways in your, in your faithfulness uh, here, uh, in your faithfulness here at worship, uh, both uh, just during the summer. It's pretty crazy to think uh, for those of you that are here, that are in the lobby, that are upstairs. Thank you. And uh, here's your mission if you choose to accept it. We have an awesome Saturday night service that has some room. And if you have the flexibility to do that, the most missional thing you could do in the next couple weeks would be to come to Saturday night. Just check it out. It would be great. And for some reason, everybody loves the 915 service. And that's awesome. And we love it uh, that you're here. But I also want you to think about maybe opening up a seat for somebody uh, that is sitting back there or way up there. And and, uh, if you have the opportunity to come to Saturday night, check it out. And we would love for you to do that. But I want to thank you for your faithfulness in, in worship and, and continuing to meet together uh, in, your, in your homes with life groups, continuing to serve together, uh, continuing to be the church, not just come to church, but continuing to be the church. And we haven't taken the summer off. God doesn't take the summer off uh, in that way. I was here uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, just walking around the building. I think it was like a Wednesday night in the middle of July, and I'm walking around and I counted them. There was like four or five different ministries and teams and groups all happening at the same time. And I'm like, this is incredible. This is awesome. This is what it means to be the church. But that's what you do when you are on a mission that doesn't stop. When you're on a mission, as Jake says, that's a holy thing. And that's our focus today. Last week, Pastor Mike kicked off for us this new sermon series called The Heart of Hope. And we are kind of just pulling back the curtain and say, this is who we are as a church. Whether you've been coming your whole life and you need a refresher or this is your first day and you're like, what's this big Lutheran Church of Hope thing all about? We want to tell you what we're all about and just be completely honest and transparent about that. And uh, today we're going to be talking about our mission statement, the reason that we exist. When you think about it, most businesses, most corporations, most companies, uh, most churches, even some individuals have a mission statement. Some call it a mission statement or a purpose statement for why we do what we do that gives meaning and purpose and direction to everything that we do. And so we're going to play a little trivia this morning just to get us thinking about the power of mission statements. And some of these are easier. Some of them will be a little bit more challenging. But I'm going to put a mission statement up on the screen here in a second. And then I want you to yell out. This is like audience participation, okay? I want you to yell out what company, well, it's a well-known company. It's not like some local thing you've never heard of. It's a well-known, big, huge company. And I want you to yell out what you think that uh, mission statement points to, what company that's from. You think you can do this? You ready? All right, let's give it a shot. Here's our first one. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. What do you think? 
Starbucks, that's right. Some of you coffee addicts knew that one, right? Absolutely. It's a powerful mission statement to inspire people, right? All right, this one's a little bit more interesting. We create happiness by providing the finest in entertainment for people of all ages everywhere. What do you think? Were you here last night? Somebody's cheating. I don't know. Yes, it's Disney. That's right. Absolutely. Vinest of entertainment. This one's a little bit more challenging. Last night, crowd, they struggle with this one a little bit. To refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness. To, I, I shortened it. That's the dot, dot, dot. It's a long one. Uh, to create value and to make a difference. What do you think? It is... Coca-Cola, that's right. Oh, some of you are like, oh man, I missed it, right? Some of you perfectionists. Isn't that interesting though? It says nothing about pop. Nothing about sugar. It's about inspiring people. Okay, uh, next one. To be our customer's favorite place to eat and drink. Could be a lot of places. What do you think? Chick-fil-A, okay. Burger King. It is McDonald's, that's right. To be a, that's a pretty simple mission statement, you think about it. Now, if you don't get this next one, you should sign up for new member class in the fall. Okay, here we go. Let's read it together. To reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. What do you think? Hope, Hope that's us. That's right. Everybody just yells it out. That's fun. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. That is our mission. And hopefully there's a, a big difference between that one, go ahead and go to the next slide to, our, to the statement again. There's a difference between this and all those other ones that are very, very, very inspiring and very good missions and great companies, and I appreciate Starbucks just like anybody else, but the reason that this one is a little bit different, this is the one that you're a part of, and actually this is the one that's going to last forever. This is the one that's going to matter for eternity. Here's the thing. There's a lot of different things that we can give our lives to, isn't there? There's a lot of things that we can give our time and our energy and our heart and our affection to. But only a few things are going to last forever. Only one thing is actually going to last forever, and it's not the kingdoms of this world. It's God's kingdom. That's what's going to change the world. Speaking of big companies and corporations, there's this fascinating story that I love from the early days of, of Apple uh, computers and, and technology when they were just kind of literally changing the world when it comes to technology. And so uh, Steve Jobs, uh, the, the late Steve Jobs now, is looking for a businessman to help him. And so he was looking at other companies and trying to kind of woo you know, other CEOs or COOs or CFOs to come and kind of be the handle the business side of Apple's operations so he could be more of the the creative type, which was kind of his wheelhouse as well. And so he was trying to, trying to recruit uh, the, the marketing director of, of PepsiCo, a uh, pretty big company uh, as well that owns a lot of things, uh, not just soda pop, but a, a lot. This, this big wig, this, this marketing director for Pepsi, and they went back and forth in the boardroom in front of the entire board of Apple computers, and they were negotiating, and Steve Jobs was trying to convince him that Apple's mission was worth being a part of. And if you know anything about Steve Jobs, he's a pretty fiery, uh, you know, creative guy that's really passionate uh, about what they're doing. And finally, he just, at this guy from Pepsi that he was going to pay millions and millions of dollars to, and he said, look, here's the thing. Do you want to sell sugar to kids for the rest of your life, or do you want to join us and change the world? And that was the end of that. And now he has a new chief operating officer and was for a long time in Apple. When you put it that way, right, it's hard to resist. Do you want to sell sugar for the rest of your life, or do you want to be a part of changing the world? And I think about that, and then I think about Jesus calling us to follow him. 
I think about Jesus going to those first disciples. If you have your Bibles, whether it's this one from the back or your Bible app on your phone, open up to Matthew chapter 4. I think about the call that Jesus gave to some ordinary fishermen that had pretty much made up their minds that for the rest of their life, they're not going to sell sugar, but they're going to, you know, catch smelly, stinky fish for the rest of your life until a rabbi from Nazareth shows up. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we read this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. In other words, Jesus says to the, follow the, his, these fishermen and to us here today, follow me and I'll show you a way to make your life matter long after you're gone. You can fish for the rest of your life, or you can join me and change the world. Maybe Steve Jobs stole a line or two from Jesus in that sense. And that's still the invitation to all of us today, not to attend a church service once a week, not to be a, a better person, just that, or a religious person, but to join a movement, to join a mission that is worth going all in for, and that's sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And that's not because we made up this mission statement or something like that. Instead, it's the very words of Jesus himself. And so when uh, some folks that were way back, over 20 years ago, and uh, some charter members of Hope were getting together, Pastor Mike came in 1993, and they got together, and they kind of restarted the church, and like, we need a mission statement statement. Well, it probably shouldn't be something that we make up. It should be something as a church that we can go all in for. And so what they did, there's two different uh, statements uh, in the Bible that, that Jesus talks about, and theologians call them the great commission. Everybody say commission. commission. And the great commandment. Everybody say commandment. So there's the great commission, and that is what our, excuse me, that is in our scripture reading for today. That's from Matthew 28. And so that's the first part of it. And the second one is the great commandment. And that is in Mark chapter 12, among a few other spots. And we'll get to that in a second. And so they took the great commission, go and make disciples, and the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they put those two together. And that is where we get our mission statements. And that's, that's hope's mission. And that's what I want to unpack today is how we arrived at our mission statement. We didn't just make it up and say, well, that sounds like some fancy words. Essentially, our mission as a church is a combination of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. So let's unpack that together. The first one is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. So if you're in Matthew 4, flip a few pages uh, over and follow along with me into the 28th chapter, Matthew chapter 28. Three years after Jesus calls those fishermen, he lives, dies, and rises again, and now he's sending them out to do the same, to carry out that same mission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So think about this for a second. There, the church hasn't even started yet. The word Christian doesn't appear until Acts chapter 12, several chapters later. At this point, all there is is a mission, okay? There's no there's no uh, church services yet. There's no style of worship. There's no denominations, although I'm sure the church in Acts 2 was Lutheran. I guarantee it. I'm just kidding. There's none of that yet. All there is is just a life-changing mission. And the reason that's so important is because you and I come here today. One of the things I love about hope 
is that all of us come from a very different church background, a lot of you from no church background. But for some of you, you have certain experiences and assumptions that we make about what the church is. And I think when we get into it, sometimes we can get our blinders on and assume, oh, well, that's what church is. It's an hour a week that I show up to on Sunday morning. Well, it's really important that we go back to the manual here. We go back to God's word and say, if all I had, just imagine, if all I had was like the gospel of Matthew and the book of Acts, which is what the early church had. They had lived the gospel of Matthew. They were those people. And then they have the book of Acts. What would I believe that the church is? Before all of my assumptions about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to have a mission and to be a church, what, what did they have? And I believe we can kind of boil it down to three things. There's a lot of things that we think we need as a church to be successful. But I think if you just take God's word at face value, go ahead and go to the next slide. It's these three things. Number one, followers of Jesus. That, that's who they were. They were regular, ordinary people. They weren't stuffy, religious people that get on your nerves. They were just regular, ordinary people that have had their lives transformed by Jesus and then literally watched him come back to life. If, if, if you saw and met a man that predicted their own death and resurrection and then they did it, wouldn't you want to like hang out with him? Whether you agreed with him or not, whether you were a religious person or not, like, I'm going to follow that dude because I think he knows what he's talking about. And he actually changed my life, and he loved me better than anybody's loved me, and he served me better than anybody served me. I want to know more about him. And he just defeated my sin and my death by conquering the grave. So number one, followers of Jesus. Number two, sent on a mission. Everybody say mission. mission. We read about it in Matthew, chapter, uh, Matthew 28. We see it again in Acts 1.8. Be my witnesses. And so the church was the result of that mission. So go with me for a second here. You could say that before the church had a mission, the mission of God had a church. Okay. And the reason that that's important is because you and I sometimes think, oh, I'm going to be a part of a church. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, for some people, they can join the mission committee. They can join the, the mission group or the, the outreach team here at the church. I hate to break it to you. We don't have an outreach team. <laughs> we have a missions team that's a few people that plans events so that all of us can serve. But you know who our outreach team is here at Hope Des Moines? You. Did you know you're on it? All of us are. Missions is not a department of the church. It is the reason the church exists. Amen? It's why we exist. We don't exist to have church services. You do know that the point of gathering together is so that we can scatter and go be the church the rest of the week, not just for an hour on Sunday morning. You are the church. The mission of God had a church, and a church was born out of that. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and not be sent. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and not be sent. Mission isn't for some people and not for others. It's for all of us. And last but not least, followers of Jesus sent on a mission filled with power. Everybody say power. power. We're going to learn about that this next week. For those of you that are going to be about Bible, st- uh, uh, Bible school this week, we're going to learn about God's power. We get the authority of Jesus in Matthew 28 in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us with power. In other words, this mission, our mission to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not how much Bible you have memorized. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It's not how long you've been coming to church here. It's not whether you've got all your ducks in a row. It's not whether you you feel like you're broken and messed up today or not. It's about what God and the power of the Holy Spirit want to do through you. Are you open to that? Sometimes I think our Midwestern kind of aw shucks attitude 
it sometimes gets in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. I'm not a leader, Pastor John. I'm just an ordinary Christian. There is no such thing as an ordinary Christian. This Bible says and tells me that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me, lives in you. You are not ordinary. You have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So enough with the Midwestern aw shucks, I'm just an ordinary churchgoer attitude. You are on fire. You have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be the church. You put those three things together, that's a pretty good definition of church. And it has nothing to do with denominations, the size of the church, the style of our worship, where we happen to worship, any of that. That's what it means to be the church. That's a pretty good definition. Sometimes I think it takes stripping everything else away so that we can get back to the mission, to the mission statement. So what does the Great Commission say? Let's unpack this. Let's go to the Great Commission. The Great Commission starts with go and make disciples. Everybody say go. go. Oh, I don't believe you. Say it again. Say go. go. How about just the people up top, nice and loud? Say go. go. Just the people down here. Say go. go. Just the lobby. Say go. Go. Oh, they're pretty, pretty loud back there. That's good. That's awesome. Just want to make sure you're all awake. It's go. It doesn't start with stay. It says go. You cannot be a Christian and not be sent. Here's the really good news. Anybody need some good news this morning? Here's some really good news. The Greek there in the word go, Greek verbs are different than English verbs. We have past, present, and future tenses in verbs. In Greek verbs, they're a little bit different, and there's actually a verb that can mean now and ongoing now presently and ongoing verb tense and this word go means that and it literally the best translation from the greek from that word of go is in your going and so that's really good news and here's why because i haven't met anybody recently that's come up to me and said pastor i i really want to go in with this jesus mission stuff i could just use more in my schedule i am not busy enough i need more things to do okay haven't heard anybody say that recently and this is really good news because joining Jesus' mission isn't about adding more God stuff to your schedule, your already busy schedule. Joining Jesus' mission is about doing what you already do with gospel intentionality. The people that you see and the places you go and the things that you do every single day. The assumption of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 is that you're already living among and rubbing shoulders with people that are not disciples, that are not like you, that don't talk like you, that aren't where you're from, that don't look like you, that maybe probably don't believe the same things that you do, whether it's at work or school or on the bleachers at your kid's game or at the gym or wherever it is. Because here's the scoop. The reason that we kind of try to push you out of this building a lot, it's really hard to make disciples when you're only hanging out with disciples. Think about that for a second. Oh, I was at the church building five nights last week, John. Okay, great. Now go. Get out of here, right? <laughs> go and make disciples, right? It's not be a holy huddle. That's why it's so dangerous when churches become holy huddles. Well, I'm comfortable. I've got my seat in worship. I'm not going to invite anybody else. We can't live out the Great Commission if we don't go, if we don't get outside the building. So think about your everyday rhythms and the people that you see and the places that you go. God says, I've given you that job that you're in right now, whether it's ideal or not. 
and the people that surround you every single day. Those neighbors, do you know your neighbors? It's really hard to love our neighbors if we don't know their names, right? It's really hard to love people if we don't know them. And then we ask, what is the good news for those people? What is the good news for those people at Starbucks? What is the good news for those other parents that I'm sitting next to every night of the week on the bleachers? What is the good news for my friends, for my neighbors, for my coworkers? And then we make disciples. Teach people, love people, come alongside people. Sometimes I think we get this whole idea of like being a disciple and going on mission. People kind of get the wrong idea with that. Maybe some of you have had a bad experience with the church and your view of the church, and maybe it still is right now to this moment, your view of the church is that like, okay, Pastor John's up there and, you know, Jed's leading worship and the staff's up here. And so church is all about what the church can get from you. The church wants your money. The church wants your time. The church wants, uh, wants your, 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 you to be here so we can, you know, boost our attendance marks. The church is all about what we want from you. I mean, that's discipleship. I've got really good news for you. When Jesus says, go and make disciples and gives that great commission, the reason that he says that and the reason of why we're passionate as a church is because of what Jesus wants for you. The kind of life that he wants for you, not just from you. Jesus wants to give you his grace, his peace. He wants you to live a life of generosity. He wants you to experience the joy of serving and healthy friendships and strong marriages and a deeper purpose to get yourself up out of bed every single day. And that purpose and that peace and that joy can only be found through being a disciple. That's why we want to make disciples. Jesus says, I want to give you a life. I don't want you to have a prayer life. I don't want you to have a spiritual life. I don't want you to have a religious life. I don't want you to have a Sunday morning life and then an ordinary life. Jesus just flat out says in a non-sarcastic way, get a life. I want you to have the best life possible and that's only gonna happen in a relationship with me. That's why the Great Commission is so important. So that's the first half of uh, Hope's mission is the Great Commission. That's the go part of it. Everybody say go. Go, and the second part is the great commandment. That's in Mark chapter 12. One of the religious leaders comes up to Jesus and he says, Okay, Jesus, I'm gonna try to he's gonna try to trap him. Out of all the Old Testament laws, Jesus, what's the most important? And Jesus responds, Of all the commandments, the most important one answer Jesus is this: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then let's read verse 30 and 31 together. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, if you're going to be known for anything as my follower, if you're going to be known for anything as the church, it's to be known as a church that radically loves people. In our going, in our making of disciples, love saturated with love, a radical love. Be known as the kind of church <laughs> that people cannot help but want to be a part of because of the way that they are loved, because of the way we love. That's our deepest prayer for every single one of you. That we're not a perfect church. If you're looking for a perfect church, you, we're, it's not. We're, it, this isn't it. There is no perfect church, by the way, and some people bounce around from church to church thinking, well, they offended me, so I'm going to go to the church down the road. You know what happened in the New Testament with all these churches? There was the church in Philippi 
There wasn't first, second, fourth, fifth, seventh Baptist churches in Philippi, and there wasn't this Lutheran church and that Lutheran church or that other church. The reason Paul's writing all these letters to him about loving and forgiving, bearing with one another's burdens, is because that's what family does. When somebody offends you, (laughs) you don't run away, you don't quit, you stay, and you learn to love each other. The world would say, if somebody disagrees with you, if somebody offends you, forget them, or for matter-of-factly, hate them. Oh, we disagree politically? I, I can't like you, I can't love you, sorry. That's not what Jesus says. There's a different kind of love that's supposed to radiate from his church. It's, a, it's, a, it's love that changes people. It's not our opinions. It's God's love. It's God's transforming love. Now, I can't believe that I'm going to say this as a Hawkeye fan, but here we go. This is Marshalltown, Iowa, and that is the Iowa State Cyclone football team. Yeah. Okay? Yesterday. Have to give them a little shout out. I uh, was thinking about that uh, this week. The tornadoes, especially in Marshalltown, hit literally close to home for us. My wife Tiffany is from Marshalltown, grew up there, and a lot of these places that were just devastated and torn to shreds, these are, think about your top 10 places of your childhood memories and think about all of them being gone or ripped to shreds. So that's what she's working through these days. So it's been kind of an emotional week for us. And I'm scrolling through my social media uh, a couple days ago, and lo and behold, there's the Iowa State football. There is some redeeming quality about Iowa State. There they are. I'm just kidding. Just having fun with you. And there, there they are. And so lo and behold, of all the volunteers showing up, they, the, the seniors, the leaders of the football team say, Marshalltown is 30 minutes from Ames. Forget football practice. Let's go serve. Let's not just talk about love. Let's go do it. And so as you watch this video, as much as it pains me to show this to you, and I'll never say this again, cyclones are showing us what it means to be the church. Listen to the guy at the end, and you tell me if love doesn't change people. Take a look. The residents needed help, so we come as as fast as we could, and now we're here. The ISU football team brought the muscle to Marshalltown. Oh, muscle! And unlike the twister that blew through in a matter of minutes, these cyclones were around for much longer. We don't have a time limit. We're just here to the people who say they don't need us anymore. So we're just going around each house, seeing who needs help. Uh, right now, we're kind of working on this tree that we've been working on for a while, but it's getting done. The cleanup today took hours, and we'll take countless more. Coach Campbell says the team felt the need to pitch in. With, with this place being so close to where we are and, and obviously the tragedy and you see the, the work here, obviously our football team to be able to give back and help at least make a dent in some of the work here. Um, I think that's what makes this, this state really special. I think it's what makes being at Iowa State really special. It's the people and obviously we're a part of that community and just want to help out. Campbell said members of the senior leadership team suggested the plan. I'm really proud of the, our guys. You know, One of our mottos is give more of ourselves than we take from the whole and I think our kids understand that. And the residents of Marshalltown want the team to understand how much it means to them. You know, we were just working in a yard. Um, couple little kids there and just um, watching these guys kind of reach out to them. Pretty cool.
Yeah, praise God for that. It's love that changes people, and it's love that leaves people speechless. Love changes people, not having a better argument, <laughs> not labeling those that maybe believe things that different than you do. <laughs> I just watch that, and sometimes I just long for everybody that's not here this morning, that's sitting at home right now going, I hate the church because they're so judgmental. I hate the church because I just, I got burned. I just long to be a church that's known more for what we're for than what we're against. Amen? Amen. I want to be known as a church that loves really, really well, and I want to make a distinction, okay? This is awesome, and this is great, and Iowa nice is great. And yes, we're called to be nice, but we have something way more powerful to offer this world than being nice. It's the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. Yes, and being nice is a part of it, but there's something way more than that. It's that that love and the way that we love people and the way that we serve people points them to something lasting and points them to something eternal. It's the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. That's how we arrived at our mission. Go and make disciples. Stay where you are and be a Christian and love people like they've never been loved before. That's why we exist as a church in a very practical way we exist as a church for your neighbors that are home right now that are so skeptical of church we exist for your coworker that you're going to be sitting across from at work tomorrow that's really really hurting we exist for that teenager that's sitting at home right now that would love to come to church but their parents are too lazy or apathetic to make church a priority we exist for them we exist for the hundreds of kids that are going to be here for Vacation Bible School this next week. We exist for maybe some people like you this morning. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're wondering, is church for me? Or you've been away from the church for a long time. Lutheran Church of Hope exists for you. If you don't think that you have a place here, you do. You absolutely do. And there is a place for you in God's family. We can't change people. Only God's love can. And I want, I want to make another distinction. When we say love, sometimes I think about we hear love and we go, love and acceptance and we're just going to believe anything and go along with anything and you can just do whatever you want and well, we love you, so that's fine and we're just going to love you and accept you and do whatever, you, do whatever we want. The thing is, I read the Gospels, Jesus challenged people. Jesus convicted people. Jesus pushed a lot of people away and rubbed people the wrong way. Why? because he wanted what was best for them. Sometimes love means challenging people. Parents, can I get an amen? amen? We challenge our kids to be more than they are, to change their behaviors, their attitudes. Why? Because we love them. And so that's our prayer as a church. And we talk about our mission of being loved and loving from Mark chapter 12, the greatest commandment. When I say love, my deepest desire and hope is that 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years, when you're looking back on this time, a part of Lutheran Church of Hope, every single one of you would be able to say, I have never been so loved, and I have never been so challenged. Simultaneously. Does that make sense? I've never been so loved by a community, by a church, 
but I have never grown so much. I've never been challenged more towards maturity because that's what love is. Why? Because the gospel is challenging, and we're not afraid to be a church family that challenges each other to grow. And when we do, though, it's wrapped in love because truth spoken without love isn't truth. (laughs) And the same as just going and loving people but never speaking truth, that's not really loving people. Jesus told people what they needed to hear, not just what they wanted to hear. And sometimes it rubbed them the wrong way. And if we do that in the, constant, in the context of relationship, we won't lose our way. John says it this way in John chapter 13. Let's read this together nice and loud up on the screen. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Jesus says it's this mission of radical love that defines us. Not our style, not the size of our church, not the place where we worship. All these things are going to change. You do know this, right? So Jesus challenges us to make sure that our loyalty is to Jesus and to the mission, not to some church, not to some pastor who's talking, not to a certain size of church. All those things are going to change. Those of you that are around in the Hubble days, you know things look a little different. And things are probably going to look different five or ten years from now as well. We may not always worship here. We may not always worship in the same way. We may add groups and programs and ministries and classes and stop other ministries and groups and classes because they're not as effective in carrying out the mission. But our loyalty is not to any man-made thing or tradition. Our loyalty is to God. Amen? Our loyalty is to the mission. And so the challenge that Jesus gives us is, are you on board with the mission or are you on board with what's convenient for you? Are you on board with the type of church that makes you feel comfortable? Let me give you a picture of what I mean. I came across this video a few weeks ago. There was a train unload, a subway train unloading passengers in Perth, Australia. So this is underground. There's hundreds of people around. And a a man was leaving, and he accidentally, there's a gap between the train and the, the platform, and he gets his whole leg, he gets his foot stuck in there. And they, this is a matter of life and death. And so everybody's kind of looking around like, what should we do? And as you watch this video, it's fascinating. It's, it's a security camera uh, video. It's utterly fascinating to watch the people that take ownership of the mission and the people that just kind of stand by and watch. Take a look. Praise God. How cool is that, right? The guy got out. He saved his life. That's one of the the coolest things I've ever seen. And you might think, oh, John, what a nice group of people. You know what I see when I watch that? That's a healthy church. Think about it. That's a healthy church. A bunch of people who decided that they're not going to simply stand by and be innocent bystanders. They're going to take ownership of the mission and do whatever is necessary to carry it out. You saw the people in the background. Boy, Tough luck for that dude, right? I got, I got places to go, you know? I got things, I guess they're all from the South. Hey, dude, right? I don't, it's easy to be a consumer, isn't it? It's easy to stand by and watch and say, well, that's for somebody else. That's not my department. I, I, I got things to do. I, I'm too busy. It doesn't really affect me. <laughs> and then there's the people that just jump right in. Some of you are saying, John, you know, cool analogy and everything, but <laughs> that was literally a matter of life and death. And, and ours isn't? And our mission isn't? People may not be stuck <laughs> under trains, but I guarantee that if you think really hard right now, there is somebody that you can think of in your life that is not here right now that is stuck. 
They're, they're stuck. They're, they're, they're stuck in hopelessness or fear or depression or isolation or addiction or in their sin. Folks, what we're doing here isn't playing church. Everything that we do matters. All the little things we do matter. And then all the little things that you do around here as the church start to make sense. Here's this Midwestern, aw shucks mentality coming back. I hear people say, aw, John, aw shucks, they don't say it. But they say, oh, John, I'm just a greeter. Oh, John, I just, I just serve breakfast upstairs. I just lead a Bible study. I, I, I'm, I'm just an usher. <laughs> you are not just a greeter. If we have a life and death mission, a life-changing mission as a church, you are not just a greeter. You are the person on our front porch as a church that might be welcoming somebody this morning and might have welcomed somebody that hasn't felt loved and accepted in a really long time. You are not just a food server for breakfast club. You are a host at a banquet of the kingdom every single week. You are not just a children's worker. You are helping to disciple the next generation. You are not just a member of the worship team up here. They are literally have the opportunity to lead people into God's presence. For those of you that have signed up for Vacation Bible School as volunteers, you have the opportunity to love kids that may have never been here before. This is where our mission statement goes from being a cheesy little slogan on the back of a t-shirt to like real life. Because there are going to be tons of kids in this building this week who have never stepped foot inside of a church. And we have the incredible opportunity to tell them about a God that loves them in, yes, very unique and creative ways. That's why the worship center looks like a really bad 80s dance party right now. Because we're willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means making a fool out of ourselves, even if it means changing my clothes three times because I sweat so much, even if it means dancing or silly skits or whatever it takes. And it's not just for kids, it's for you. We want you to know God's love so much that it's real for you. Came across the final clip I want to show you in the strangest of ways this all made sense to me in the way that we sometimes we got to get creative about how we bring God's love to people. Some of you are thinking, John, why the, why the big deal about kids? <laughs> because God is madly in love with the next generation. God is madly in love with kids and teenagers, and he wants them to know his love. I was watching some clips this week in the strangest of places. Has anybody heard of the actor Chris Pratt? You heard of this guy? Maybe you've seen him in some, some films. Uh, he was in uh, some of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, movies and then Jurassic Park and, and things like that. Well, he super popular actor among teens and, and young adults and kids. And so he won this big award at the MTV Movie Awards. And this video has gone viral because the place is just crawling with rich and famous people that, to be honest, are kind of stuck on themselves and just shining the light and getting the glory. And then there's Chris Pratt who in a very creative way uses his platform to remind the next generation of what is truly important. Take a look. This is MTV we're talking about, folks, okay? Now, the rest of his speech was edited for your family viewing uh, entertainment uh, there. But think about this. The life-changing love of Jesus Christ communicated in a completely unconventional way in order to reach the next generation where they're at. You know what that reminds me of? What's going to happen here the next five days? 
do whatever it takes to compete for the hearts of the next generation. Those kids, those teenagers, those young adults that were screaming about Chris Pratt had no idea that that was going to happen. They were there to worship him, and he completely flipped the script on him and says, it's not about me. In fact, it's not about any of you. It's about the love of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear this this morning. God loves you. God is real, and he's calling you to follow him, not be a church attender, but to have a relationship with him and to follow him every single day because you do have a soul, and you should learn how to pray because it'll fill you up like nothing else. We have a mission that is worth giving our lives to. There's going to be a whole lot of kids that are walking into this room, and they're going to be sitting in the same chairs that you're sitting in right now. Many of them are convinced that they're worthless. They're convinced that they don't have any value because nobody's ever told them. And we are going to tell them. And we're going to tell them over and over and over and over again so that as they grow up, they'll remember there was that one church on Ingersoll Avenue that was willing to be a little crazy in order to reach them where they're at. Amen? And so VBS requires us to get out of our bubble, to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. And I know that hundreds of you are volunteering, but there's a lot of you that aren't volunteering. And so even if you're not coming to VBS, we're going to bring VBS to you a little bit right now. So what I'd like you to do is to stand on up, wherever you're at, up in the balcony, in the lobby, come on up. I want to invite our song leaders up and... uh, We're going to bring VBS to you. We're going to give you a little teaser about what we're going to be doing this week. Welcome our song leaders up, if you can. Here they come. Now, some of you had no idea what you were getting yourselves into coming to worship today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I came today. Tell them that right now. I'm so glad I came today. And I'm about to tell you what you're going to do. I want you to spread out a little bit so you don't punch the person next to you. Get some space. Just spread out into the aisles. It's okay. You can touch somebody else. Okay? Now, some of you are like, I am not doing this. There's a reason I didn't sign up. Turn to your other neighbor right now. Look him in the eyes and say, you're not too cool for this. Tell him that right now. You're not too cool for this. Okay? We're going to give you a little taste. Some of you are going to recognize this song that we're going to do. It's from The Greatest Showman. And there's a lot of songs that we're going to do this week that are from secular radio that have really terrible lyrics. And we changed them all to be about God's love. We changed them all to be about Jesus because we're willing to meet kids where they're at because the mission is that important. Amen? So just watch these song leaders up here, and we're going to give you a taste of the joy of Jesus Christ and the joy of EBS. Let's hit it in the back, guys. Everybody dance together. Let's do it. (laughs) 